Hi everyone, it's me, Katherine Stanley. Welcome to Leadership Hacks Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be speaking with a uh, third year doctoral candidate in our Leadership Psychology PsyD program, April Young. April has been with us since her master's degree. She's a master's in org psychology and in a year she's going to be finished with her doctoral degree. And uh, April, I'm so excited to talk to you today because you're embarking on some and have been focused on this area of work that I think is really important to our veterans uh, as well as to society in general, especially when there's tough times and lots of change. Uh, the theory you're delving into and the uh, work you're creating around it for trainings as well as mindset changes uh, could really have a big impact. Uh, so I'm delighted that you're here to talk to us about that today. Thank you, and I'm so glad you invited me. Happy to be here. So tell me, like, you're the first person who introduced me to something that um, is being called post-traumatic growth. Like, how did you find out about that? What is that for our listeners? I happened to find out about it during another project for a course, and I stumbled upon it. I said, like, wow, this sounds really interesting, and let me focus on it for this project. And then I fell in love with it, and I wanted to integrate it into my eventual dissertation. So post-traumatic growth, um, it's about the positive changes that one can experience after a major life crisis or a traumatic event. So it's, it's something that not everyone experiences after trauma, and there still is distress and struggle involved that can't be avoided, but it's how people handle it afterwards and grow from it. Oh, interesting. And um, in talking with you about this before, you're particularly focused on working with veterans. Yes. So tell me about that. Like, what, Why, for example? Well, the why came in in my sophomore year in college. I happened to be watching the show that was focused on warriors across the world and the tactics they use in war. And the Zulu warriors have a process that after they return from war, their shaman would meet for them and do a ritual that cleanse them of blood so they could reintegrate. And it struck me that we don't have any type of process that really does that on a nationwide scale that's effective. So I said, that's what I want to do with my life. So I found this program through a former faculty member and fell in love with the master's program. That's where I went to the doctorate right after, which is a natural progression. And having bumped into post-traumatic growth, it just all fell into place. That's amazing. I love it when you hear about this, you know, something that really sparks a care and, and a passion in a student, and then they follow straight through to their doctoral work. It's, oh, that's wonderful. So in terms of... Uh, Tell me more about, like, I love that as a frame in the ancient times there was help to, you know, with warriors and help sort of readjusting psychologically. And I know there's a lot of focus now and a lot of stigma and a lot of uh, stereotyping that everybody in the military has experienced trauma, has PTSD, which we know is not true. Um, And there's also another that we've looked at in the courses here, but also positive psychology is based on the premise that we don't know about health by looking at what's wrong. We have to look at what's right. So I love that you're combining, kind of trying to fight that stigma that gets put on our veterans, which is ridiculous, because not all of them, uh, not even, you know, it's not the majority of them don't come away with PTSD no matter what happens to them. Um, So tell me more about all of that. Great. Um, the system that I'm hoping to build, of course, has the post-traumatic growth aspect, and then that would help with the trauma and the growth afterwards, kind of like the way I look at it, it's the phoenix rising from the ashes. That would be part of the post-traumatic growth section. The other sh- section would be focused on maintaining the resilience of soldiers that haven't 
experience, they've obviously experienced trauma, but they're, they're coping with it differently, so they have that higher levels of resilience. So that's what I'm referring to is the lotus blossom mm -hmm. and maintaining that resilience at, uh, regardless of the environment they're in, they're still thriving, so I wanna make sure that's maintained. So it's focusing on all members of the military, regardless of trauma. I love the symbolism of the lotus flower. Can you tell, you. for our listeners, tell us more about that? Of course. So um, in the Buddhist religion, in Eastern, oh yes. <laughs> I just noticed it, yeah. <laughs> Got this from Woodstock. It's oh, my favorite wonderful. piece. <laughs> but the lotus blossom represents, um, if I, I remember it correctly, my dad's a Buddhist, so everything I, I know is through him. But it represents resilience, beauty, and self-identity, that empowerment regardless of the environment. It doesn't touch you. The, the beauty of the, the lotus blossom exists only in these muddy, kind of swampy environments, mm. but it stays the way it is. It's not touched, it's not dirty, it's resilient. It still blooms. Exactly, mm. so that's what I'm hoping to be able to achieve with military members, to remove that stigma and also to empower them and maintain that psychological strength and hopefully be able to spread it across the entire population. I love that because I don't, I mean, other than dentistry, right? <laughs> I don't think we spend enough time on maintaining strengths we already have, exactly. right? Um, and then because we don't do that, things get more can get more and more acute, and then suddenly we're into disease. Um, so, so tell me about how some of the things you were thinking about doing and studying to develop a program that would help people maintain but also those who don't uh, have that post-traumatic growth sort of naturally, what would they do to create it and, and you know, have it happen for them? So in the research, I've noticed in the last couple of years, I mean like five to three years, there's been a boom in research looking at mindfulness as it connects to post-traumatic growth. And according to the studies that were done, in comparison to interventions like the healing arts or expressive group therapy, when against mindfulness intervention, they of course both affect post-traumatic growth and heighten it, but the magnitude in which mindfulness interventions heighten post-traumatic growth is not only stronger, it lasts longer. Oh, and wow. so you have that side of it focusing on the post-traumatic growth, but it also helps people who are not traumatized. It helps with emotional regulation, it helps with empowerment, it helps with self-awareness, non-judgment, and that would enhance the other side of the population who isn't traumatized but will still benefit from a growth. Oh, that's, that's incredible. So talk a little bit more about like what mindfulness is and is it a certain type of mindfulness or, you know, what, was, what does that look like if you say people are practicing mindfulness helps them maintain um, you know, resilience and positivity in life and growing despite whatever hardship they've been through, which is, I think, especially relevant now. It's always been relevant, but, you know, <laughs> after a big snowstorm here in the Mideast, <laughs> we have to stay resilient, <laughs> you know, and everything happening in the world. So tell me what that looks like. Of course. Um, the two types of interventions that seem to work the best, and I still need to dive into it a little more, is the stress reduction mindfulness. Mindfulness-based yes. stress reduction, you're thinking about the work of John Kabat-Zinn, and it's now at um, uh, you, uh, Boston, uh, the hospital, MGH here, or Mass oh, really? General. Yeah, Mass General, that program's out of that. But it's also around the country, I think, but yeah. Oh, thank you. I have to look into that, because yeah. I'm still looking for, it's so new to me, I still have to go in and figure out this is this, this is this, in order to incorporate it. Yeah. 
but yes, the stretch, the stretch reduction, and also practices in being present and not non-judgmental thoughts. It's that very Buddhist, to, yeah. Exactly. Those seem to affect um, growth the most. Ah, post-traumatic growth. And you read, there's a bunch of studies on oh, this yes, that you yes. read. Yes. Oh, that's great. So you're planning to build that in not only to your doctoral study to kind of validate it mm-hmm. with the population you're interested in exactly. studying. Yeah, and so tell me as well about the population you do want to sort of study, but also once you figure out and fine-tune your model and your interventions, that's what we call them in org psychology, but it's really what you're going to do with people, techniques you're going to give them, um, conversations that are important to have so that they can continue to thrive, like you said, um, and continue to be resilient. So tell me, like, I think it's really relevant to our listeners, so describe the population you want to work with and also serve in your professional career that you're creating as you go. Of course. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really focused on military and strengthening them psychologically as well as well-being. And from what I understood, I actually picked this up a couple of days ago, that there's a difference between well-being and wellness. Mm. And wellness, of course, is health and um, happiness and stuff like that. But well-being focuses on being more than you are in this present moment. So that's what I want to incorporate in what I'm envisioning in my future career, creating a company that's dedicated to that in military personnel. It's about elevating them to a new level, nice. something that they... Um, will make them resilient across the board, but not only that, it'll empower them to be to be more and to continue to adapt. That's a really interesting distinction. And when you say military personnel, do you want to work with active military or people transitioning out of the military into, you know, the workforce? I would like to work with them in all capacities, mm-hmm. but for the dissertation, I'm focusing on one system, which would be the deployment and reintegration process, mm-hmm. so a priming system, so to speak. Right. And then the rest of the organization would be dedicated to what comes after that priming. So explain priming. Of course. <laughs> so priming is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's about <laughs> getting them ready. It's about, um, how do I use it without saying the word priming in it? It's, it's, it's readying them for the change that I want to bring. So Psychologically. That, exactly. Yeah. So it, it creates a stage. So it's easier. So if I... Um, Let's say they're in the, the Phoenix yeah. area. So explain the Phoenix, too. So oh. these are people who are not the Lotus, mm-hmm. um, not that they couldn't be, but their experience of like massive trauma yes. is different. And you're calling it Phoenix because? It's arising from the ashes. That what they experienced was so devastating and changed their views. And what we're hoping to nurture is that Phoenix. You come out brighter and stronger than you were before that trauma. Nice. I love that. Um, and priming, as we know, is neurological. Yes. And setting people. So, what would do you know what that priming would look like now? Yeah. No, no, you're figure it out. Yeah. That. That's fine. That's where I'm hoping the mindfulness will really come in because, yeah. from what I understand from Dr. Rosalind when we've talked, is that mindfulness really helps you. Um, the neural patterns start to change, and I'm hoping that would um, be part of the, the system. Right. Nice. So you are going to work with people coming back, even if they're going to be redeployed again, but yes. after deployment because of what they might have experienced. Yes. And you talked to me about a couple of things uh, recently about uh, moral issues mm-hmm. as well as secondary trauma. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say a little bit about those? Of course. So I stumbled upon the research of moral injury from a colleague of mine, and he had said how much how prevalent it was, so I, d- I decided to look into it, and I was surprised when, compared to mo- post-traumatic stress, the effects of moral injuries overshadow it, and 
but extremely overshadowed. I was so surprised. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to have the amount of dedication and research that post-traumatic stress gets. Right. And the effects of moral injury are, are so devastating to get the anger, the violence, the self-violence, and the yeah. outward violence. And it, Can it you define what a moral injury is for our listeners? Of course. Moral injury is when you witness an atrocity or you um, you create, a, not a create, you, you create, I'm sorry, you have to do something you don't want to do. Exactly. That, that goes against your yeah. morals, against your belief, and how that affects you. Yeah. So that's a moral injury. Yes. And you're saying that has, in this few studies you found in it, it's even more intense yes. than... Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. So you're going to possibly study that for exactly. your yes. doctoral what, work. Yeah. What's so great is the overlaps that I'm seeing is in mindfulness, there is that emotional regulation aspect and the the dealing with the emotions, which would help the moral injury injuries, mm. if, that, if that makes yeah. sense. So it kind of just, it creates a blanket over the entire situation, regardless of what you experience. It, it, it helps everyone. I love this, because you're really thinking holistically, you know? I mean, there's a lot of evidence that talk therapy can only take a person so far, you know? Um, Empathy, empathy in empathetic situations and empathetic support is critical, as we know. But to find that inner empathy for oneself yes. through mindfulness, right, can go a, certainly a long way. So what haven't I asked you about that you think would be really interesting for your, our listeners to know in terms of this whole thing? It's so interesting, and there's so many parts to it, right? Yeah, there is, and I'm still looking, and there's just so much overlap that I'm surprised that the literature hasn't gone into yet. I'm, I'm starting to see some connections with the positive psychology mm-hmm. over mindfulness, over post-traumatic growth, but nobody's looking at it together. Yeah. And so that's what I'm really excited about. That's like the doc students, holy grail. Like, exactly. yeah, again, research, yay. Um, and one thing you related it to is organizational citizenship. Yes. So for our listeners, what it, can you just say a little bit about what that is and why you think this relates. I think that's a really interesting piece. Um, we probably have three doc projects here, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. And I probably could go for years. Yeah. <laughs> so organizational citizenship has to do with um, the belongingness in the organization. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose in, in layman's terms, you, you feel like it, it's, it's a... That's a home, and excuse me for the, the informalness. No, that, I think that's that's true. Like, we spend uh, probably more hours at work sometimes than we do at home, exactly. for some of us, yeah. right? And it's makes total sense. to go beyond in your work because you feel such a part of that. Like, you feel ownership, exactly. and that I'm going to go the extra mile because this is my home. Mm-hmm. Like, treating it as if it's your own. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure as well any leaders out there listening are like, how do we do that? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so it's interesting. I could see this work leading to a lot of other work and a lot of um, implications for your findings once you complete your study. So, Anything else you want to tell us about that I haven't asked you about? Oh, there's one more. I'm looking at um, organizational justice as well. And from what I understand with the importance of post-traumatic growth and the trauma that soldiers experience is their sense of justice can sometimes be taken away by the things they must do within the military. So they create there's a disconnect mm-hmm. between them and the organization of the military. So it's very important that the, when they're reintegrating, they have a place that they feel that protects them and mm-hmm. they have justice is served to the utmost 
degree. So I'm hoping that the organization I create will implement that for them to show that this is a organization that's here for you, dedicated mm. to your well-being for the rest of your life. So you mean justice in terms of evening the scales, like they've made a Fairness. huge sacrifice yes. and now you're going to look out for me too in a real way that's actionable so my whole the rest of my life isn't, you exactly. know. Yeah, I've, I've got some payback in a way, but mm-hmm. in a good way. Like you need to take care of me, I've taken care of our country. Exactly. Take, self-care. Yeah, yeah, self-care. And so your organization is going to try and bridge that gap. Yes. So exciting. Um, so, April, you're definitely someone we've got to kind of watch and check in with in a year about your work and see what you find out. Um, it's uh, Thank you so much for joining us on thank the podcast so today. Yeah. Thanks.